Do you ever feel insecure? Are you torn by frustration and stung by criticism? Unable to find contentment in your work for the Lord? Then Nehemiah 6 is for you. The rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem is nearing completion. The people faced opposition both within and without, yet they persevered in the mission. They have sacrificed themselves to the call of God and have nearly accomplished his mission. That is precisely when there is the greatest danger of new attacks from the enemy. When the goal is in sight, we are almost there, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, that, that is when we are most vulnerable to attack. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem change their tactics in this chapter. Now they attack Nehemiah personally. There are four personal attacks on Nehemiah in Nehemiah 6, which could have derailed the entire mission. We will look at the first two attacks in Nehemiah 6, 1 through 9 in this podcast. Sooner or later, when you are determined to do great things for God, the attacks of the enemy will become personal. Satan will no longer be content to attack what you are doing. He will attack you. There will be people who will criticize you or put you down. Their words will cut and hurt. You will feel discouraged, insecure, and upset. Just when you thought it was going so well, you are blindsided by the critics, sliced and diced by the accusations. If you let it get to you, then the enemy will win, and your mission will be derailed by the opposition. If you want to find security and contentment in life, there are two principles from these first two attacks which you must put into practice to complete the mission God has for you to do. First, learn to say no. Learn to say no in Nehemiah 6, 1 through 4. Listen to the words of Nehemiah. Now, when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah, to Geshem, the Arab, and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and that no breach remained in it, although at that time I had not set up the doors and the gates. Then Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me, saying, Come, let us meet together at Kepharim in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? They sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. Attack number one. Tempting distractions. Tempting distractions. The first attack is very clever. Sanballat and Geshem ask to meet with Nehemiah in a neutral location to work out their differences. It was a tempting offer. 
The work on the city walls was now finished, and all that remained was to complete the gates. Why not go and talk with these other leaders? It sounded like they were admitting defeat and asking to work together. It was also a chance for Nehemiah to bask in his victory, to enjoy the success a little. But it was a trap. The plan smacked of treachery. Watch out. Learn to say no. Every invitation is not an opportunity from God. The enemy seeks to distract you from the work, get you in a vulnerable position, and destroyed you. So every invitation is not an opportunity from God. Geoffrey Chaucer wrote a beautiful story about a rooster and a fox in the Canterbury Tales. Let me tell you his tale. Once upon a time, a poor widow lived in a small cottage beside a grove which stood in a little valley. She had a yard fenced all around with sticks in which she had a rooster named Chanticleer. For crowing was not his equal in all the land. Now it happened that as he cast his eye upon a butterfly among the herbs, Chanticleer became aware of a fox lying low. He had no desire to crow then, but at once cried, Cock, cock, and started up like a man frightened in his heart. And he would have fled at once if the fox had not said, My dear sir, alas, where are you going? Are you afraid of me? your father's friend? The reason I came was only to listen to you sing. Except for you, I have never heard anyone who could sing as your father did in the morning. In order to make his voice stronger, he would close his eyes, and he would stand on his tiptoes and stretch forth his long, slender neck. Now sing, sir, for holy charity, Let's see whether you can sing as well as your father. Chanticleer began to beat his wings. He stood high on his toes and stretched his neck, closed his eyes, and crowed loudly. At once the fox jumped up, grabbed Chanticleer by the throat, and carried him toward the woods. You see, there are times for talking, and there are times for working. Nehemiah knew when to say no. He told them no, clearly and emphatically. One of the keys to being effective in our service to the Lord is not to get sidetracked by tempting distractions. We must learn to say no to temptation. This was a tempting invitation. It sounded almost like a concession speech. Well, Nehemiah, I guess you beat us. We might as well admit defeat and try to work together. The work on the city walls was finished. All that remained was to complete the gates and the city would be secure. Why not go and talk with the enemy? It was a chance for Nehemiah to do a little crowing about his achievements to sing his own praises a little bit. What harm could there be in talking about their differences? Surely talking is better than fighting. But it was a trap.
the job was not done. As the saying goes, almost doesn't count except in horseshoes and hand grenades. We must learn to say no to the temptations of the enemy. There are many things in life that are not sin, but may distract us from righteousness. Should I watch that television show or not? Should I participate in this activity or not? Should I take that job or not? These are everyday decisions which we are free to make in the Lord, but our choices will affect our spiritual lives and our work for Christ. Like Chanticleer, we can get so caught up in the crowing that we become vulnerable to the enemy. We leave ourselves open to the temptation. The way to handle temptation is to recognize the situations which make us vulnerable and stay away from those situations in the first place. So we must learn to say no to temptations, and we must learn to say no to distractions. You see, the plain of Ono was about 27 miles northwest of Jerusalem. It was a full day's journey away. So Nehemiah would have had to spend at least three days on this fool's errand if he accepted it. There would be a day to get there, a day to meet, and a day to return to Jerusalem. That is three days away from the work God had called him to do. He couldn't afford such distractions, and neither can we. There are many opportunities to serve the Lord. There are many, many ways in which we can spend our resources of time, money, talents, and energies. There are many activities to fill up our lives. I think one of the greatest dangers to the mission of Christ in the modern American church is the danger of distraction. We have more available for us today than ever before. We find it harder and harder to focus on the priorities of Christ. We are distracted by the busyness of living. Some of those activities are very gratifying to our egos. We can be tempted by human success. We can be consumed by pride. People may say nice things about us. They may tell us how good we are, how gifted we are. Be careful. It is the enemy's way of getting us to fritter away our time on matters that have little or no eternal value. For example, I see so many Christians today caught up in politics. Most political fights have zero eternal value. Politics is often the idol of the immature Christian who cannot grasp the truth that who wins an election has no eternal value in God's kingdom plan for the world. Put yourself to the test in life. Each choice you make of what to do or what to get involved in, you should ask yourself, what is the eternal value of this activity or this decision? Does it promote the gospel or not? In eternity future, will this activity matter or not? 
and then decide how to live accordingly. Even the church gets into this busyness. People can push and pull us in the church so that we are constantly distracted by opportunities for service that actually take us away from the call of God for our lives. Chuck Swindoll writes, There's a great difference between being an available man of God and being a puppet of people. One of the marks of maturity is the ability to say no without explanation. I find this to be one of the hardest lessons to learn in ministry. Busyness is not fruitfulness. Focus on the mission and just say no to the tempting distractions. It's hard to achieve anything for the Lord when we are distracted by all the demands that others impose on us. We must learn to say no. Notice the persistence of the enemy. They don't give up. They make the request for a diplomatic meeting four times. Don't think that because you beat back one temptation or refused one distraction that the battle is over. The enemy will keep searching for a chink in your armor, a weakness in your life, and will strike again. Distractions and temptations come in all shapes and sizes, tailor-made to attract each individual. In one of the scenes from the movie Robin Hood, the Prince of Thieves, Kevin Costner, who plays Robin Hood, came to a boy taking aim at an archery target. Robin asks him, can you shoot amidst distractions? The boy aims his bow, but just before the boy released the string, Robin poked his ear with the feathers of an arrow. The boy's shot missed the target by several feet and everyone laughs. Then Maid Marian asks Robin, Can you? Robin raised his bow and takes aim. Just as he releases the arrow, Maid Marian leans down beside him and flirtatiously blows in his face. The arrow misses the target, hits a tree, and just misses a bystander. You see, my friends, Distractions come in all shapes and sizes. Whether they are pleasant or painful, the result is the same. We miss the target. Attack number one was tempting distractions, and attack number two is false accusations. False accusations. Nehemiah writes in verses five through eight, then Sanballat sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time, with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Gashmu says, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. Therefore you are rebuilding the wall, and you are to be their king, according to these reports. You have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you, a king is in Judah. And now it will be reported to the king according to these reports. So come now, let us take counsel together. Then I sent a message to him saying, Such things as you are saying have not been done. 
but you are inventing them in your own mind. We must learn to say no to tempting distractions, and we must learn to say not to false accusations. You have to learn to say not to false accusations. Remember Chanticleer and the fox. We left him last in the mouth of the fox running into the woods. All the animals and the widow and her neighbors gave chase behind the fox. Now, good people, I beg you all to listen. This rooster in the fox's mouth spoke to the fox in spite of his fear, saying, Sir, if I were you, so help me God, I would say, Turn back, you proud peasants. I have reached the edge of the wood now. The rooster shall stay here. In spite of you, I will eat him in faith and not be long about it. In faith, the fox answered, it shall be done. As soon as he spoke the words, the rooster nimbly broke away from his mouth and flew at once high into a tree. So the story ends with both the rooster and the fox learning their lessons. Chanticleer says, Never again shall you with your flattery get me to sing with my eyes closed. For he who closes his eyes when he should watch, God let him never prosper. No, said the fox, but God bring misfortune to him who is so careless about his self-control as to prattle when he should hold his peace. There's a difference between saying no and saying not. One of the hard lessons of following Christ is to not get caught up in the false accusations and criticisms that others will level at us. The answer to false accusations and personal criticisms is to deny them and then to ignore them. In other words, say not to the criticisms and let them go. In other words, don't waste your time fighting the false criticisms that come to those serving the Lord. Don't prattle when you should hold your peace. Nehemiah's enemies changed their tactics again in these verses. They sent an open letter to Nehemiah containing rumors and false accusations. Letters during this time were normally written on a papyrus or a leather sheet, which was then rolled up, tied with a string, and sealed with an official seal. That way, anyone would know when the seal was broken that the confidentiality of the letter had been violated. The enemies now send an open letter. An open letter means that it was unsealed. Since letters had to routine, routinely pass through many hands before reaching their destination, Nehemiah knew that many had read the contents of this unsealed letter, this open letter. The letter said, It is reported among the nations. No specifics, just citing confidential sources. Everybody knows it. Rumors are almost always anonymous. They do have some basis in factual data, 
otherwise the rumors would not be believable. However, the facts of the rumor are just enough to lend credence to the rumor before the lies begin. The false conclusions and innuendo go far, far beyond the facts, so that the rumors ruin the person by inference and implication. In this case, the rumor was that Nehemiah wanted to be king. He was trying to build his empire. Nehemiah was building a wall which could have been used for rebellion. Nehemiah may have been of Davidic descent, which would have made him royal blood, which could have led him to desire to be king of Judah. There were prophets, Zechariah, for example, who were preaching during these days and did talk about a king of Israel, which could have been Nehemiah. Do you hear all the could-haves and might-bes in the conspiracy theory laid out in these rumors? Do you see how rumor, innuendo, and conspiracy theories weave inference into facts and possibilities into probabilities? How do we respond to such criticism, false accusations, and conspiracy theories? We can easily get caught up in the criticisms and expectations of others so that we lose sight of the goals which God has set for us in this world. We end up arguing, defending ourselves, while we lose sight of the mission we are called to accomplish. The answer to false accusations and conspiracy theories is to deny them and then ignore them. If we protest too much, we only lend credence to the accusations by our protests. Let it go and carry on. There is a story involving Yogi Berra, the Hall of Fame catcher for the New York Yankees, and Hank Aaron, the Hall of Fame hitter for the Milwaukee Braves. The two teams were playing in the World Series that year. As Hank Aaron came to bat, Yogi Berra tried to distract him by saying, Henry, you're holding the bat wrong. You're supposed to hold it so you can read the trademark. Aaron refused to answer. And when the next pitch came in, he hit it into the left field bleachers for a home run. After rounding all the bases and tagging home plate, Aaron looked at Yogi Berra and said, I didn't come up here to read. I didn't come up here to read. My friends, that's how we handle false accusations and conspiracy theories. Don't get tossed about and distracted by listening to everyone who wants a piece of your life or has a juicy conspiracy theory to tell you. Deny the falsehood and ignore the criticism. You say, well, Dave, you mean I've just got to take it? Yup. There will always be people who criticize you, always. There will always be juicy conspiracy theories to distract you. As long as you know that you are being faithful to the Lord, let it go. Don't get caught up in self-defense and lose sight of Jesus' mission. 
Like Hank Aaron said, I didn't come up here to read. We are not here on this earth to prattle on about the latest conspiracy theory. We are here to tell people the gospel and point them to things that matter eternally. This is tough. I know. I know it's tough. How do we learn to say no and to say not? It's so easy to get caught up in the latest outrage going around on social media. And it's so hard to refuse to waste your time on such social media outrages. They're going on all the time. It's easy to get defensive about the criticisms and the false accusations that people level at us. Don't waste your time on Facebook fights. How do you keep your balance? Where do you find your security in these times of turmoil? The key is found in verse 9 of Nehemiah 6. Nehemiah 6, 9. For all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking, they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Now, God, give me strength. Strengthen my hands for the work. Nehemiah takes it all to God in prayer. He knows the principle of biblical security is a spiritual principle. We can say no and we can say not because we are secure in our faith in God. God stabilizes us in times of turmoil. We won't become discouraged with the work when God strengthens our hands. And God strengthens our hands to do his work, not achieve our goals. It's his goals that matter. It is his mission that matters. When we are carrying out his mission, we can look to him for his strength which gives us his security. Our security rests on God's strength. Maurice Wagner, in a book entitled Put It All Together, Developing Inner Security, ties our inner security to our theology. He says, Personal security comes from our relationship to the three persons of the Godhead. Our relationship to God the Father gives us a sense of belonging. Our union with Christ gives us a sense of worth. And finally, the Holy Spirit's indwelling empowers us. Our dependence on the Holy Spirit gives us our competence. Sadly, we don't hear much of this kind of theological preaching today. We live in an age of self-fulfillment, self-esteem, and self-rights. We are so busy seeking security in ourselves and in our own rights that we forget that we can only find real security in God. We are so busy defending our political rights, we forget that God calls us to trust him, not the government. The ultimate answers for our security questions are not found in psychology, but in theology. I, I know that it is much ridiculed and considered archaic to say this today, but look to God for your security. Keep your eyes on him and his mission. Be about his work.
The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 4 and 5, told us that we are not competent in ourselves to do the work of Christ in this world. Our confidence does not come from our political power. It comes from God. Paul wrote, such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy, our competence, is from God. And Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 4 to talk about how he was crushed and broken by others without despairing. He was forsaken, struck down, and attacked, but never abandoned his mission. And he wrote in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Paul's secret, Nehemiah's secret to completing the mission God gives to us, is to experience the daily renewal of the inner person, the inner being. The key to spiritual success is God's renewal of our inner beings day by day. Without his strength to do his work, we will surrender to the influences of this world and give up on the mission. We will either become distracted or discouraged by our failure to say no and to say not. My friends, we will find a sense of real belonging only in God the Father. We will find a sense of true worth only in Jesus Christ. We will find a sense of competence as we learn to depend on the Holy Spirit. Prayer is our way of grabbing hold of the power of God in our lives. The great congregational preacher Phillips Brooks said, Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Our security rests on his strength. If you are feeling insecure today, if you are stung by criticism or discouraged by false accusations, if you are frustrated by the powers at work in this world, then perhaps you need to learn to say no to some of the junk of this life and to say not to the criticisms and outrages of others. My friends, if we have lost our sense of contentment in life, just maybe it is because our walk with God has become lost in our work for others.